Hello and welcome. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jessica. And this is Pretty Over Perfect. We are two former neighbors and current best friends who know that perfection is an illusion that could easily keep us from living our best lives. We are here to discover the goodness in the messiness of real life and find joy in the everyday by embracing simplicity, creativity, and a little sparkle. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Michelle. And hello. Welcome back to all of our listeners to another episode of Pretty Over Perfect. It's our final episode in our series of parenting. And today we are bringing your questions to our conversation and we're just going to simply provide our perspectives on some of these universal challenges that we might face as parents. I'm pretty excited to dig into it. Michelle, before we do, how are you doing? I am good. My children, I love them dearly right now because they aren't with me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Isn't that funny how that works though? (laughs) I'm like, oh, I miss them. No, I, I... I do love them dearly when they're with me, but also they have been at their grandma's house for a couple of days. So my husband and I have had some date nights. It's been fun. We've, and it's been very hot here. So the last few days we've gone down and floated in the lake, like the youths We're down there Mm. with all the teenagers floating in the lake. Mm, I'm sure you blended right in Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Because I look like I'm 15. Yes. It's a compliment. I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were down there floating on the lake and that was pretty fun. And then we came home and our washing machine is broken. So Uh, real life right there. (laughs) Yep. So I'm like, Oh, and the, the part will not be here for a few days. So Jessica, we're coming to visit you soon. We might not have clean clothes, but we'll figure something out. (laughs) Or I could be industrious and wash the clothes by hand or something, but. No, don't just bring them because I have a working uh, washer. But guess what just went out on my oven again? Mm. No. That same little part. So I've, I've got to fix it before you arrive because baking is in our future. I'm sure. I know. I know. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is funny. It's like, oh, Michelle's coming. No, can't handle it. Michelle's coming. I must quit. I must spoil quit. their fun. <laughs> That's good. I'm I glad that you that and Steve have had fun together. Yeah. Um, it's been fun over here as well. We've had our our town days for our city and it's been a jam-packed party weekend. So, tis this tis the month. This the season of of July is just party time, which is fun yeah. and also exhausting, you know. Goes both ways. I know. We just so, go from one thing to another. <laughs> monkey bar through July. Popsicles, yep. little sleep and parties. Okay. Well, we have some questions to tackle. So, I guess we should just start tackling them. Let's do it. We have a just a list of the questions. We're just going to speak to them. We do want to, to disclaim only one time and say that we know we're not experts. These are just our perspectives. Take it or leave it. But we do feel like it's inspiring to just hear other people's perspectives, be able to kind of um, relate and understand that we're not alone in this roller coaster ride of motherhood. <laughs> yeah. So. All of these things that we got asked about are all things we've wondered about and are totally. still wondering about, not like we've just 100% mastered them. But if we have any expertise at all to offer, it's just our experience. And, you know, it's funny, some of these questions, as my kids just like get older, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that being such a big deal at the time. And mm-hmm. it's also hopeful to just know, like, 
it's a part of the learning process. It's a part of kids growing. And a lot of these things, they outgrow with your help as a parent, with guidance and teaching and practice, like all of these things get better with time. So we'll be offering that perspective as well. Yeah, that actually is really interesting, Michelle, because sometimes we don't realize that these certain issues that feel so big have resolved because it's very much a slow process. So it's interesting as we look back, as we're reviewing this list and noticing that, oh, that used to be my my main issue and now it's not. And I think that that just speaks to the seasons that, that we all have to kind of go through in this motherhood journey. Yeah. And it's, it's important, you know, we've kind of been talking this whole month about sometimes you really need to get that bird's eye perspective on life and kind of the journey that you're on, because when you're in it, yeah, these things are really overwhelming. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine. Her kids are a little bit younger than my kids. And she referenced a story I told her when my, when my son was younger and she was saying we were having this, or she reminded me that we were having this bedtime issue. I can't, and mm-hmm. it was funny cause I was like, oh yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that. And it mm-hmm. sounds pretty annoying. Like it sounds like something I would have been pretty irritated about at the time enough to, you know, tell her about it. And like, now I can't even remember and we've definitely mm-hmm. gotten through that. And so, yeah, it's all a part of life and the seasons and it all gets better with practice. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Our first question was about sibling rivalry. So I don't know, Michelle, do your kids ever uh, get into it? (laughs) They do. The first thing I want to say is, well, I feel like sibling rivalry is like competing for the parents' attention. That's like what rivalry is. And I think people are actually asking about like just sibling arguments and disagreements and problems sharing. Do you assume that that's what people are talking about? Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like, yeah, rivalry is like what we all call it, but that's really like more of an adult thing for parents or for Mm. siblings to be rivaling for the parents' attention. But, you know, this is another thing that's funny because this has gotten better with time with lots and lots of practice. But yeah, I mean, we're together all the time. So yeah, of course my kids get into it with each other and argue and fight over. What do you guess? What would you guess, Jessica? They fight over less Legos in our house. Legos. That was going yeah. to be my guess. Same yeah. over here. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. There's just not nearly enough characters to go around. But yeah, so they, yeah, they love each other fiercely and sometimes they really annoy each other. What about your kids? Yeah, absolutely. We've got, I feel like my older two are constantly just kind of bothering each other, maybe out of boredom, especially as it's summertime, or there is some quarreling over the toys, the Legos, he took my thing, you know, that sort of thing. And then we've got the younger two, which is mostly Violet. I love you, Violet, if you're listening to this 10 years in the future. But she's just, I think, kind of in this awkward place where she doesn't quite fit in with the older two, and she's kind of picking on Finn or trying to steal his toys everyone's just and <laughs> trying to figure themselves out. And it's definitely a part of our every day, every hour, sometimes every minute mm-hmm. reality <laughs> is working through these things. And I do think that it's important to understand, know that this is normal because of all of the reasons we just said. Um, but I have been thinking recently that just because it's normal doesn't mean that I'm going to be okay with it. 
being normal. I still want to put in the work to keep course correcting, keep reminding, keep helping my children understand how to function, how to interact with other human beings, especially I think it's just a beautiful place to learn some of those principles so that when they grow up and are out in the world, later on, they're married or they're with roommates or what have you, they have the skill set. So yes, it's normal. No, I'm not okay with it. And yes, I do understand that it's going to take practice every single day. And so I think for me, I like to draw out some of those principles or things that they are lacking, those tools that they're lacking, like compromising. Like sometimes we forget we have to take our children through the steps of compromising, show them what that looks like in all of these different unique situations, have them practice it again and again. Sometimes we role play outside of the specific situations. But again, just kind of teaching, practicing, teaching more, practicing again, I mean, like until hopefully five, 10 years down the road, we know what a compromise is. We're pr- we've practiced it and we can now take that out into the world and compromise with with other individuals so yeah lots of lots of opportunities in our house yeah siblings are interesting because you get a lot of time together and they it's yeah you can have some really intense moments but also they're probably the people who have your back more than anyone else in the world I mean hopefully that's what we're going for and so kind of reminding them of that is always part of my conversation with them. Like Mm. you do love each other. You do care about each other. Yes. You're annoyed with each other, but this person's going to be in your life. It's worth working this out. And then, yeah, of course, giving them some tools some practice role-playing, especially outside of the moments of tension, but also, you know, trying to open their hearts and minds to compassion. Like my older sibling or my older kids all love playing with each other. And for a long time, the baby of our family was their baby and they treated him like a baby and they loved that. And then he got older and he did not want to be treated like a baby. (laughs) And that created some tension and some yelling. And so reminding them, Hey, would you like to be treated like a baby when you're actually a big kid? Would you Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't you think that would be annoying for people to touch you all the time without you wanting to be touched? Just kind of like helping them adjust as things get as things change and um, opening up their perspective to that the other thing too that I think is really important is to build in breaks so that they have breaks from each other because you know Jessica think of your best friend in the whole world if you had to spend literally 24 hours a day seven days a week with them waking and sleeping you'd probably get a little frustrated with them too at some point, right? Like it's just a normal part of life that we all need like a little breaks from each other. And so however you as a parent can help them build in some time to decompress that I think is really valuable, whether that's when they're little, everybody having some quiet time where they're not allowed to talk to each other or, you know, as they get older, can you help them take some time to develop a passion project or something that they can work on on their own? So that way they have a way and like, helping them notice, Hey, things are getting a little bit intense here. Maybe we need a break. Maybe we need to change up the situation. Maybe everyone needs to go draw or read or whatever they like to do for a few minutes. And then we can come back and be together, helping them notice too, that like, it's okay for them to pick themselves up out of 
situations and walk away and yeah. take a break and yep. cool off. And then, yeah, we're going to come back and we're all going to love each other at the end of this. But that it's totally normal for them to need that. And helping them get that, I think, is important. And also helping them know that they are loved for who they are and they are not just this sibling mass, but they are your child that you like. And if you can, when I say schedule breaks, I mean, like, they probably won't happen unless you actually schedule them. Same with giving them a little bit of one-on-one time. And that doesn't have to be super special. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be the kid who take who goes to the grocery store with you or the kid who, in your case, walks the dog with you. Anything like that, just taking them aside one-on-one so that that rivaling for the parent's attention isn't happening. Mm-hmm. They know they're going to get some. And especially if, if you find that like one of your kids is really causing a lot of problems and causing a lot of irritation, they probably, this is like one of the hardest principles for me. And yet I've Mm -hmm. seen it to be true every time. That is the kid who needs your undivided attention in a specific Mm -hmm. way. And you need to make it happen. And it's really hard because you're so annoyed with that child for causing all of the problems. But more than anything, they probably need to go on a car ride with you or to, yes, go on a walk down the street or have a moment with you alone so that they have your undivided attention and those feelings of competition can be eased. You know what, Michelle, that's, that's very freeing and very hopeful mm-hmm. for me hearing that because a lot of times I get a little bit overwhelmed with my priority list and all the people that I want to give myself to completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And it's literally impossible. So I uh, get a little bit bogged up when I'm trying to decide where to divide my attention. It's basically what I'm saying. And this is a way for me to know where that I don't want to say bulk, but like the primary focus of my attention could be mm-hmm. given where it could yeah. be given. So instead of being like, this child is really frustrating me right now. Like they're going through a phase, like get me away from them. It's the the script can flip and, and that's this child needs me the most right now. Yeah. And of course, like in my case where I have a little one-year-old who I can't just be like, peace out. I'm going to yeah. go take this one on a walk. I can definitely, like you're saying, schedule it into nap time or early morning, late at night, um, anything to be able to spend some one-on-one time together. And I've also noticed, Michelle, that it doesn't take very long for the child to to really feel loved and connected with. Yeah, it doesn't have to be hours. It can be a few minutes. I think that if you can, you know, and depending on your child's personality, if you can set them up for that, hey, on Thursday night we're going to go to the park together, just you and me, or, you know, however you need to work that out. But yeah, even if it's just, Hey, you're going to be the one making dinner with me tonight, Mm -hmm. right? I have this Mm -hmm. to do list. You're going to come alongside me. You're going to be helping me water the gardens, any kind Mm -hmm. of little time that you can give them. And it doesn't have to be extravagant because yeah, like you can quickly communicate that they have your full attention and that's probably what they want and need. And I asked, I crowdsourced a little bit for a different thing with my older daughter and one of my, um, she's, she's 12, she's in middle school. And I asked people what, what meant a lot to them in middle school that like their parents did, what could parents do to help their middle schoolers. And one of my friends who is a middle school teacher says that all of her kids love 
one-on-one time with their parents. Mm. Like that's, that's just what they want. And it might not seem like that, that that's what they want, right? They might be filling their time with other things and yet they all really want that. And they might not be good at asking for it. So you as the parent can ask for it. And again, make it special. Like we've throughout our lives just done little, little bits of time that get scheduled in so that we don't overlook them and they don't get over overlooked for our children. So that's right. Yeah. Um, just to bring up again, I've referenced this in the past, but for a while we had a rotating kid of the day and mm-hmm. part of the pr- privileges of that day was that you get to stay up for 15 extra minutes with either mom or dad while the other puts the rest of the kids to bed. And that really added peace to our home. So yeah. just another example. Yeah. And yeah. And I think too, in my, <laughs> with my kids, sometimes, sometimes the child that is creating the most challenges is the one who really needs attention. And sometimes I've also noticed that the kid who is the most compliant, the mm. most compassionate, the best one at, you know, going with the flow, I don't want right. them to get overlooked. And so that's when I'll say, Hey, why don't you come to the grocery store with me? And, you know, maybe we'll go to the candy aisle and pick out a special candy bar. No one else gets or anything like that. Love Just that. to be like, you know, very simple, but I love you. I see you. Do you have anything that's on your mind? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just making sure love it. they all get a little bit of love. And if it's five minutes, that's great. Like take the pressure that's off. That's what's so, yes, exactly. You don't have that's to take them so to free. Disneyland for them to be loved. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, one final thought before we move on is just tonight, as we were driving home from a, a birthday party, my older two were going at it in the back seat, and my goodness, we had had it. So my husband was, was like, all right, guys, don't say another word unless you're willing to compliment your brother or sister. And so they did. They started just complimenting each other. I love you so much. You're the best brother. You're the best sister. I love you so much. And they were even like saying it kind of angrily. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing how fast the feeling changed. And we pointed that out. And that's something that I promote regularly is that you can always change your mind. Sometimes when the kids are, you know, they've worked themselves into a little tizzy, as my mom would call it. And it's hard to swallow your pride and get out of that. I can even relate to that, yeah. even as an adult. And so I always remind them, you can change your mind. You can change the feeling. It just takes one positive action. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I don't know, that's some freeing, yeah. freeing advice for them too. Absolutely. And to go with that, the car just reminds me that as a parent, like you can observe your children too and know which ones pick on each other the most, <laughs> which ones are the best at working together and arrange your car accordingly. Mm-hmm. I have done this for a long time with just paying attention. And sometimes it can change based on their personalities and stuff like that. But like, for instance, my oldest and my youngest have, there's a big age difference and personality difference between those two. So they have, I they get along great, but if they're sitting mm-hmm. next to each other in the car for a long time, they might start picking at each other more. Mm-hmm. So can I rotate around who's sitting by who and uh, give them some relief from that pressure, especially like, I mean, I'm saying this because we road trip quite a lot. So this is things, these are things I think about maybe more than like the average parent who's just, you know, dropping their kids off at school. But, you know, mm-hmm. you can also kind of be proactive in those areas. And, and I mean, sometimes they, they are still arguing in the car because they, they're in close quarters, right? You yeah. can't bored them, but, <laughs> but yeah, they're bored right? Like they can annoy each other. But I love that idea of changing the momentum. Either they have to say something nice. Sometimes we will 
turn and we'll be like, nobody can talk until we get home. And we are just going to listen to a calming song. You may not talk, you may not sing along, you know, anything to kind of change the momentum. And usually a song for us is something that also helps change the feelings in the car pretty quickly because yes, yes. calm down. Yes. Okay. One last thing on that, in that same vein, we love kids, short stories podcast he comes up with one every single day. We love Mr. Jim. I highly recommend it with, I don't know. I feel like even age 10 kids, aged 10 and younger would absolutely love that. That one. I just plug that in whenever I just, I can't, I can't like have the emotional maturity to like be good uh, in responding to them. So sometimes I just plug that in. Do you have any good podcasts for older kids, Michelle? Yes, we are a sciencey family. So we love uh, podcasts like, smash boom best is a podcast that we like a lot they it's it's like um, a podcast where two ideas get pitted against each other like seahorses wait what is it seahorses versus seahorses versus hummingbirds and somebody has to argue that seahorses are the best somebody argues that hummingbirds are the best and there is um, somebody moderating the conversation who gets to decide who wins the arguments. These are things that my kids find oh, fun because they love learning about seahorses yeah. and hummingbirds. Um, there's also, there's a whole genre of like, yeah, science podcasts. Um, we also really like, they, we haven't listened to it as much lately, but they loved the story pirates, which mm, is yes, sing-songy and ridiculous and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of great podcasts out there for It's a kids. tool. It it's is a tool. A tool. You can pl- Pull it out when you need it. <laughs> yes. Everyone needs the opportunity to stop emoting sometimes. So podcasts are a great way to do that. Great. Okay. Yeah. We've spent very long on that, but it is a big one. It is a big one. It's a big issue everybody deals with. Okay. Let's talk about teaching kids responsibility. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Well, I have sort of developed a pattern in a lot of these. And mm. I mean, as with all things... Teaching responsibility starts with you, the adult, modeling responsibility. And, you know, just, and kind of maybe if your children are really little, narrating, oh, I'm cleaning up the kitchen so that we can have a clean kitchen in the morning. That kind of thing, like just showing that you are personally responsible and kind of talking through that. But I really loved Jill's Mm -hmm. comments last week about how she teaches her kids to be gracious by first starting with personal hygiene and them taking care of their own stuff. I think that Mm -hmm. that is such a great and simple way that you start when your kids are really young, taking care of their personal bodies themselves and their personal items. And then from that, they learn how their presence and their items and their things affect other people and how their actions affect other people. And uh, they grow more mature and responsible by just practicing like the little things. So when they are really little, but can, you know, are old enough to put their shoes in a specific spot, you help them like work on that skill, your shoes come off and they go on this specific spot. And you're kind of talking about it, but you're also modeling it a lot with your person because children we will get into this later, but like verbal communication is pretty It's a pretty advanced skill when you're talking about really little kids. And so really modeling with your actions what you want them to do and just starting with little building blocks. And I would start with the personal cleanliness of Mm -hmm. uh, the responsibility for your own 
personal body? What are you doing with your body that you can control everything about right now? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Great thoughts. Yeah. I would add to that. I'm sure you do this too, but I really try to emphasize the why. Like, why, why do you need to take a bath again? Well, <laughs> you are in the lake today and we need to keep our bodies clean so that they can be healthy. Why do you need to put your shoes away? Why do you need to make your bed? Why do we need to clean our room? Because do you feel how this feels when it is clean? Do you feel how it feels when it is messy? We can be more organized, have more fun, have time for the things that we want to do when everything is in order. I just try to have that dialogue right now. My children are younger and to try to help them understand why we're putting so much effort into some of these these things that seem so boring and so inconvenient when you're a little kid and have a different agenda of play. So always sharing the why when, when it's applicable, I yeah. think is very helpful to learning and growing. Yeah. And with that, I'd say like in our home, we emphasize we're all in this together. I've talked about this a lot in this month, so I don't really yeah, need to go over that. it, but just like, Hey, you do your part and I do my part. And that's how we make our whole family function. Right. And when your things are put back where you, where they belong, you know, where they are, we can get to your friend's house faster. We can go to the park sooner and play more though, or it just makes our mornings more calm. Oh, we got out the door to school without everybody being angry at each other because everything was lost. And so just kind of talking through all of those things and Hey, we do this and you do this. And this is how our whole family and life works well together. And you, yeah, this is the part that you're responsible for and your responsibility matters. And then, oh my gosh, thank you for doing that. Thank mm -hmm. you for, you know, my kids are older. Thank you for making the lunches. You help our family so much. Thank you for cleaning your room. So I don't have to step on any Legos when I come to tuck you, get, tuck you in at night, those kinds of things, just being, just making them aware of how the things they are responsible for matter and how you notice them. And again, don't have to go like crazy over the top. Just be like, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that you did this. I Carrying your weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that you helped clean up after dinner. Now we Love can that. all snuggle together or whatever. Yeah, um, I think that's very practical. Yes. Yes. Just kind of showing. And like with that, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to rope in how to get kids to listen because these are yeah, very similar ideas. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's add on to this, how to get kids to listen. That was a question that we got asked a couple of times. And my first thought is, again, going back to your responsibility as an adult, ask yourself, do they know how to do what I'm asking them to do? Have I modeled it for them a lot? Do they have the tools and capabilities and language skills to follow verbal direction? So that's one thing where, you know, it can be easy when we're adults and we communicate a lot with our words to expect that like a toddler knows exactly what we are saying when we say go to your room and get your shoes and put them on. But that's, you know, that's an advanced skill for them to like be able to know all of that through words. And so first of all, checking your expectations, do they know how to do this? Are there shoes somewhere where they know? Like all of these skills get built on each other, right? So in order for them to put on their shoes to get ready to go. They first have to know where their shoes are, which means the shoes are in the same place that they always are, or you find the shoes or something, right? Like thinking through all of the steps that they need to do in order to follow these directions. And then with that, just remember that you have your adult perspective 
on what you're asking them to do and they have their kid perspective. And parenting is about inviting them to grow up, not all at once, not quickly, but just like inviting them into your perspective or whatever. But if you are in a rush and you are late and they don't know how to read time, they don't know what it is to be late. They don't, they don't understand any of those things. And so taking the responsibility first to make sure I'm giving them enough time to do what I've asked them to do. And then we, you know, we talk about it. And so that's one thing where I think of like with my, as they get older and we've done the modeling, we can start to expand their perspective. For instance, with my daughter, who's really social, if she is dragging her feet and not getting ready to go, we're just going to keep using that, uh, that example. She's not getting ready to go. And I am frustrated by that. I will then say, you know, I'll let her be late. (laughs) And then we're in the car and I say, you know, it's cut such a bummer. Like we're half an hour late to go play with your friends and you love playing with your friends. That's such a bummer that we missed out on a whole half an hour because you didn't get ready for the day quickly. And for her, that's highly motivating. Like she's not going to want to miss that half an hour in the future. And so after that, she's pretty quick to make sure she's getting ready on time because I connected it to something that makes sense to her instead of just, Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated that we're late because of all the things going on in my adult world that you know nothing about. How can I, how can I make that something that applies to you? And it's kind of a natural consequence. Exactly. Totally a natural consequence, right? Like I don't have to punish her. I'm just saying, Hey, you're missing out on something you love to do. Or for my other kid, it would be, Hey, you don't get as much time to ride your bike before bed because it took you so long to find your shoes. I guess we're going back to that. But, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. For an, for my other son, he is really methodical about things. He does not want to be in a rush. So <laughs> what I need to tell him is I need to tell him the day before or as with as much time as possible what my expectations are. And he will do them. And he's old enough to read time too. So I can say, Hey, I need you to be ready for school with your backpack on at 7:45. You and then these are the things you need to do to get there. He will set an alarm, he will get there. But if I at 7:40 say to him, "Oh my gosh, like you haven't done all of these things." Like and I never prepped him for that, it he's not going to be ready in 5 minutes. That's not the kind of person that he is. So I can yeah. set him up for success and sh- help him listen and help him be responsible by being proactive in that situation and helping him know ahead of time what he needs to do and when it needs to be done by. So it's kind of an example of taking responsibility as a parent to help mm-hmm. your child grow in their responsibility a little bit at a time. Yeah. Cause there's a lot there that we can do that I think we don't realize or don't remember mm-hmm. sometimes uh, cause we kind of get stuck in the rut you know, after we're dealing with the same issues over and over again, it's hard to come out of that sometimes. And it's very freeing to remember that we have a lot of ability to control the situations by being proactive and putting a little bit of intentionality there. So I love that. When we talked about that book that I referenced in our first episode, Hunt, Gather, Parent, I was thinking an alternative title for that book could have been Parenting is about cooperation, not coercion. And when I think when my mindset changes from I am forcing my child to do X, Y, or Z, when I change from that to I am 
helping my child. I'm coming alongside my child. I'm encouraging this behavior that I want to see. We're all working together to learn and grow and function as a family. When my mindset changes, they are not so resistant to because they feel Isn't that interesting. They feel like it's a cooperation and not just that they're mm. being forced to mm-hmm. do things that they don't even understand why or how to do. Totally. So it makes perfect sense. Nobody yeah. wants to be forced exactly. to do anything. And while we are the the parent, the authority in a way, in a lot of ways, we can still do that by having that cooperation mindset. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I like those thoughts and I have some that might apply for a little bit, you know, younger children as that is my stage that I'm in. The first thing I'm sure I've said it before, but let's all just remember if you've got a little one, maybe two or three or younger, I find it to be my magic trick to get them to say yes. Even mid tantrum, hopefully we could get there a little bit before, you know, we're the height of tantruming, but to get them to say yes, they're screaming because they don't want to get in their car seat. So what do I say? I figure out how to get them to say, yes, do you want to go to grandma's house or do you want to hold this toy? A lot of times it's, they want a toy at the store. Do you want this toy? Yes. And suddenly they calm down enough to be able to reason a little bit more if it's a desire that is attainable, then we can talk through how to get there. So if the child, for example, wants to eat a popsicle, they're screaming, they're screaming, they've already had one, I'm not going to give them another one. But I still would say, do you want that popsicle? Yes. Okay. This popsicle is for another time. Should we put it in this special place so that after lunch tomorrow, we can get it out? And sometimes even just that much helps them calm down enough, Has a, they have a place to put the popsicle, they close the freezer, and I promise more often than not, they're okay to move on. Um, but I think it's just a matter of acknowledging their desire and then talking them away or through or kind of repositioning them in a way works so well with my children again and again. And of course, the dialogue is different around that yes every time but that's the goal for me is mm-hmm. when they are worked up in any way get them to yes and then we kind of get away distractions a great one once we can say yes sometimes they can actually be distracted but yeah. um so that's one thing that's worked for me a lot i too like to unite them with me or with siblings f- to a common goal um we all want to go on a bike ride tonight So if we're able to do X, Y, and Z, we can go and have the bike ride. Just like you're saying, Michelle, we can have this much time or we can have this little bit of time. It depends on how we can all work together. Sometimes that snaps everybody out of their own path that they're on mentally, their own agendas and helps everybody become united towards a common purpose. Another thing I feel is right now we have our little puppy, Rosie, and we are training her to do a couple different things like sit and stay and come. And it really is not too much different than training a child. That sounds maybe a little bit bad, (laughs) but really Mm -hmm. it's like, if I want my child to come inside the first time I call them, I'm going to sit them down another time, not when they're out playing with the friends, 
before or after and and tell them my expectation i like to say why And if you can come in the first time, then I'd love to give you in my house, we are doing, we do a little ticket system. I'd love to reward you with this little ticket for the mom store that we have every week. Mm -hmm. And so let's try it out tomorrow. Okay. So I'm going to say, come in and I'm going to watch you run right in. I know you're going to do it. And I'm going to give you a ticket if you can do that. So a lot of times with that sort of reward, I don't like to be over the top necessarily, but if they do it, I get them, give them a ticket. If they don't, I don't give them a ticket. I do remind them. But doing that over and over again, a lot of times does help them become trained in the certain behaviors that I expect. Because nobody likes a screaming match. It's like, yeah. come inside, come inside, come yeah. inside. And I tell you what, that's definitely happening right now. So I need to implement this advice again, because it does take repetition But I do think when we kind of remember, we do have to help these children learn the right behavior. How am I going to incentivize them? And how am I going to help them understand why? And then we just repeat. Yeah. Yeah, we've done definitely like jar of warm fuzzies where you can get warm fuzzies for certain skills that we're trying to build. Is it coming in the first time? Is it brushing your teeth in the morning? Whatever kind of skills we are working on that are maybe new or maybe are not new, but we need to practice them again because they've fallen out of habit. You know, anything to kind of get unstuck from a rut is a great thing. And especially telling them ahead of time. I like that, like saying what your expectations are, modeling what it would look like. And then, oh, hey, you get a ticket, you get a warm fuzzy, which in our house is literally just a puffy, fuzzy ball. They get to add to a jar. And when the jar is full, we get to go do something fun as a family, whatever it is that you can do to help them get unstuck. And the other thing too, about why saying the why I think is important. And we do that a lot in our family. I know that for several of my kids, they really need the why set out long in advance. For instance, if I, you know, one of my, if one of my kids wants to have a friend over every single day. Okay. That's not really going to work with everything else that I have going on in my adult world. Does he know that? Of course not. So what can I say to be proactive in this situation to not make this a fight that happens every single day? I'm going to set aside, Hey, Wednesday at Wednesdays are days when you can have your friend over. What friend do you want to invite? and set that up. Oh, is it? It's Wednesday today. Today's our day for having a friend over. I told you that ahead of time. We're ready for that expectation. And then when it's Thursday and they want to have their friend over, oh, it's not Wednesday. Mm. We've already set that, set up that precedent. And I know that that kind of is not always possible depending on the situation that you live in or whatever friends sometimes come to the door. But also, you know, if friends come to the door, sometimes we say, you know, it's Thursday. We have to do all of these other things as a family. So There's flexibility within a framework, but if I can let my children know ahead of time what the framework is, I know that notice that there's a lot less belly aching and a lot more cooperation when, you know, whether it's when they're little and it's that popsicle they want or they're older and they want to have a friend over. If I'm just pushing that off, pushing that off with no actual expectation that it will happen, that creates a lot of anxiety and frustration. And of course, they're going to be upset about that because I just keep turning them down. But if I can say, hey, Wednesdays are our days that, you know, friends come over or whatever it is that really helps. And, um, you know, I know other moms might say, Hey, we have soccer today. So we don't have friends over on the days we have soccer. Soccer's are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So those are not our friends day, whatever it is, 
being, again, responsible and proactive to begin with can help your child listen and remove a lot of the tension from your home. And, you know, you start when they're really little with mm-hmm. really little things, mm-hmm. really little issues, and then they get bigger. So, yeah. Yep. Love it. Okay. Let's move on to kind of a big question that I'm sure we all can relate to in one way or another. Someone asked, how do we handle feelings where we feel like I'm not doing enough for my kids or where we experience pressure to have them hitting certain milestones or competing with, you know, their cousins or the friend that's the same age down the street. A lot of times we feel like we're not doing enough as parents. So let's talk through that. Do you ever experience this, Michelle? And how do you navigate? Um, sometimes, but I would say that I have adopted the perspective that I am probably the most average person alive, and I'm totally fine with my children being the exact same way. Um, so like, and there's a lot of joy and happiness in being average. And that doesn't mean that I don't encourage them to pursue their passions or to work hard or to dig into things, but I'm not concerned with them being the smartest person in the world or the most talented person in the world, because I don't know. I don't see that playing out to necessarily having the best life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, but also like, oh, I mean, I don't, (laughs) one of my children was recently selected to the, like the gifted and talented program in their school. And in my, and I, we went to like, cause he was tested for it. And we went to look up the testing criteria and stuff like that. And the research right alongside with how they are tested says, this doesn't necessarily correlate with them doing any better in life or getting into better colleges or, you know, turning out any in air quotes better than any other child who does not go through this gifted and talented program. And so, you know, it was just kind of a reminder that like everyone really does go at their own pace. They succeed in different areas. You might have a child who's like intellectually capable And maybe athletically not as capable or vice versa. Like I do truly believe that all children have like their own gifts and talents, whether they get recognized by the school or by the coach or whatever. It's not really, that's not something I'm highly concerned about. I know it can be difficult to come to like not compare when, especially when you have cousins or friends with kids all the same age and, oh my gosh, that child was walking when they were nine months old and it took my kid until they were 14 months old to walk. And like, oh my gosh, they're probably not going to go to Stanford, but (laughs) Let me tell you, it has nothing to do because guess what? When you apply to college, if college is your goal, no one ever asks you, how old were you when you started walking? That's Mm. just not important. It just doesn't matter. (laughs) And, you know, same with like, I've seen people who, and I've, I've heard people talk about how like they, I was just talking to my friend who was like, yeah, I really felt like I struggled with reading for so long. And then all of a sudden it clicked for me in second grade and I couldn't read, I couldn't stop reading. And, you know, by some accounts that child might be kind of a air quotes, late bloomer. And yet they are just fine at reading now. So yeah, be content with your children being perfectly average, I guess is my uh, piece to say about that. What, what about you, Jessica? Yeah. I'm just, I think that I, I'm, I dare to I dare to guess that these feelings come mostly when you are dealing with your first child. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know what in the living 
heck you're doing and Mm -hmm. you look around i think a little bit more to check yourself maybe and i think that's normal yeah for most and i also feel like the things that i have thought through to combat these feelings is that the things that i can do are to make sure that i'm loving this child as best as i can and that i'm saying sorry when i mess up every day (laughs) so that i'm providing them a very secure and loving environment to flourish at their own pace uh just basically that's my emphasis i am not the mom that sits down and helps my six-year-old learn how to read okay my six-year-old is not even in kindergarten some six-year-olds are but like you know what i mean my preschooler i'm not trying to help my preschooler read but i am trying to make sure that i am snuggling her at night and i am looking her in the eyeballs during the day trying to spend some one-on-one time regularly um and i do feel like that is most important Mm -hmm. so however that looks like for you i think that that's that's where we emphasize yeah when we do struggle to compare yeah i think too there are like really simple principles that you can come back to over and over again that are again about your adult responsibility much more than comparing your child to other children or worrying about your child's progress in a certain area for instance about the reading thing i have not taught any of my children to read i tried with one child and thought i would not make it through that experience. So I allowed the uh, teachers at school to be the ones <laughs> to teach them to read. And guess what? They all can read. They've all learned at different paces. Mm-hmm. The little one's still learning because he's just out of kindergarten and he probably needs the most practice and help. But you know what? He's also the youngest child I've ever sent to kindergarten. So it yeah. makes sense that it would take him a little bit longer. The other thing though, is that like, again, with like reading, if we're going to just keep using this example, no, there is no research to say that an early reader does any better at reading than any other person No, at no. reading. The number one indicator of children who grow up to be good readers are is that parents read to them, that books are mm-hmm. in their house, that they are read to on a consistent basis. If that can be you read one picture book a day to your child, like that's, again, your responsibility and the best thing you can do to set them up. Science has like, backed that up like over and over again and then like all the other stuff it's just like they're gonna come it's gonna come at the time that it's gonna come for them and you really don't have to worry about it just do your responsibility (laughs) your Mm -hmm. reading to them yeah i love that that's that's very doable yeah i do have to say though i have a friend who has two children and the youngest is six Mm -hmm. the oldest is nine and she has them in so many extracurricular activities and doing have you heard of upstart it's like the pre-kindergarten program through the state and it's like constantly doing things that i do have to kind of wrestle with talk myself through she can do that like she's completely available to do that with her her two children i have four and i'm just trying to keep them alive and so i do i i guess i'm like i i didn't initially think that i struggled with this a lot but i do mm-hmm. think about her sometimes and i do have to just step back like you're saying implement the bite-sized efforts that are still going to make great impact po- yeah. for the positive and um remember where my focus really needs to be so that they have the foundation to flourish yeah and that's too where i come back to as i i have feelings 
of insecurity like that too. My kids don't go to all the camps and all of the things. They're certainly not going to be any kind of amazing athlete based on my efforts, but (laughs) I give them something that nobody else can give them, whatever that is, right? Like you are giving, and so sometimes when I, uh, my, my sibling or my children will be like, oh, this person gets to do X, Y, or Z, or they, you know, I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Their family can afford that. You know, there's not as many children in their family, whatever it is, I'm giving you something else. Having a bunch of children in your family, having a bunch of siblings is a different kind of skill that you are learning. And I'm not saying that that child, you're any better or worse than that child. We're just, we're all different and we're all coming to this world with like different stepping stones. But I think that like, There are pros and cons to absolutely everything you do in life. (laughs) And I am here to help you just like learn to do the best with what you are given. That's pretty much all I can do. And um, yeah, just being okay with, I mean, sometimes it takes some real work to be like, yeah, I'm okay with the fact that we don't do this, but we do do this. Uh, You know, we don't have all of these resources at our disposal, but here's what we do have. And here's what I can give you but we do have for example family dinners together every night right exactly or almost every night right exactly like we might not go to every single sport that's you know possible to go to but we do have these really lovely family bonding experiences over over dinner yeah and every family gets to pick what's important to them exactly every every single thing takes sacrifice of something else so exactly i'm giving them some good things and also you know, they're going to be adults someday and then it will be their responsibility. It's my responsibility as the adult to do the best that I can. And it will someday be their, their responsibility to do the best that they can. And as adults, they can choose to try new things that I wasn't able to provide for them. That's completely mm-hmm. possible for them. So I'm not, I'm not keeping them back in any way by, you know, like I said, if like my children won't be great athletes based on my efforts, they could still choose to become great a- athletes based on their this own is personal true. efforts. This is true. Right? So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, and also, like, I don't know how much people know. I mean, so with toddlers especially, it can be really easy to compare like boys and girls, maybe even of your own children or children of different ages. And when kids are really little, especially like time means so much to them. So if you're comparing children who are, you know, even nine months apart or six months apart, that's actually huge. Like that's not huge in adulthood. That's absolutely huge in childhood. Also boys and girls, like girls have a hormone surge in toddlerhood that helps their brain create um, communication pathways that make them mm. much better at both verbal and nonverbal communication. This does not happen for boys until much later. This is why like a lot of times like people think of girls as like, I, it's not like always not across the board, but like girls are more typically like the endeared child because they are better at communicating verbally with adults that comes later for boys. And so boys have a harder time grasping these things like when parents are talking to them with words like they their brains literally don't have the capacity for understanding that until later and then (laughs) then girls communication skills start to get them in trouble when they're in teenagers they don't get them in trouble but i feel like that's like (laughs) the 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 thing people are always saying that's always in the zeitgeist um which i disagree with but 
it's just interesting when you're like, when you're actually like looking at like how their brains are developing and stuff like that, have compassion for yourself, have compassion for them. They are just growing and learning a little bit at a time. And, um, yeah, it will all come. It will all come. It will just come at different times. That's right. Yeah. Okay. What about when your kid calls you mean names? Um, just, I, we've had some times when that has happened or they've said mean things about themselves. And that's when we say, we don't talk like that. Let's redirect. Let's, you know, and sometimes like they might not be willing to start saying something nice in that moment, but Hey, we do not talk like that. And then in a separate moment, we just had this conversation with our kids. Do we put unkind words? Do we like it when unkind words get said to us? No. Okay. We're not going to be the people putting unkind words into the universe either. We're going to practice saying kind things. We're going to practice being helpers, those kinds of things, just like, nope, that kind of conversation, that kind of language is not allowed in our house. I think that those are times when you can be just like, shut it down. (laughs) And, and, you know, if you're really seeing, pay attention to patterns as well. You know, if you're really seeing a pattern of this, that would probably be a time to be like, okay, where have you heard this? Why are you saying this? I kind of try and especially if they have the language (laughs) skills too, why are you saying these things? Um, and, and take a moment to, to sit with them. You know, sometimes they feel like, I know my youngest son was saying mean things about himself. And when we kind of got into it, he feels like a failure compared to his older siblings who are better and faster and smarter at things. Right. So, okay. Like that's something that we can definitely talk about and Hey, you're right where you need to be. And I'm so proud of you for this and this and this, and look how much you've grown at this. And these things are really exciting in your life. So yeah, hard stop. And also like, let's redirect you to seeing the good things and what you are doing well at. And absolutely. Those are great thoughts. Today, my three-year-old sat in the middle of the road as we were crossing the whole circus of us <laughs> and, you know, said something like, I hate you, mommy. I'm mm-hmm. never leaving here ever. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, yes, you are. You're leaving right now. And I think with my first, that startled me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really able to see through those situations to, I need you. I feel frustrated. I feel unheard. I always love to apply subtitles in my mind. I get, I get to make up whatever I want that this child is possibly thinking or feeling, and it helps me have compassion. And when it's appropriate, when there is a mean word said, like this is, this is one of those things, like we were talking last week with Jill, this is one of those things that I do not tolerate. I cannot stand it. When my children call each other, themselves, or me, a mean name, especially when they're old enough to understand better. But whenever this happens and I'm able, I get eye to eye, crouch down, I'm on your level, and I say, hey, I love you. You're a builder. You use your words to build. We do not say those words. Those words hurt feelings. You are a builder. And I try to instill in them the qualities that I do see in them you know, all the other times and, and build up the things I want to within them. I think f- when I can step away and crouch down like that, like it's, it's, it's engaging to them. And I think I have a chance at helping them come out of it a little bit. Obviously I didn't do that today in the middle of the road. I dragged, <laughs> this is the truth. I dragged her, you know, across the whole crosswalk to the car, realizing that her, dress up high heel was left behind 
in the cross on the crosswalk still. So we had to drag her back, grab the high heel. I'm like, why did you even wear these and get back into the car? But when I can, I do because it startles me and it, it makes me frustrated. So I try to put a little bit more emphasis in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, again, remembering like your adult responsibility is not to come down to their level and stoop to, you know, saying mean things or no, you're stupid. Right. I mean, (laughs) hopefully we know not to do that, but not coming down to those levels, but yeah, like if you need subtitles, whatever you need to remind yourself, like it's not true. Yes. She's saying she hates me, but you know, she doesn't, she loves me. She needs, she couldn't survive without me. She's pretty frustrated in this moment. And, you know, for all of the reasons that are really big in her mind, all of these things are going on and they're big in her mind. And so, you know, I don't need to take it personally and I don't need to start fighting dirty. I can just be like, okay, we're going to move on from this situation. We don't, we got to be the adults. We don't talk like that. And I, and, and maybe even when appropriate, also giving some other language, like that's really unkind to say, you can tell Mm -hmm. me that you're frustrated. You can Mm -hmm. tell me that you're hurt. Those are legitimate mm-hmm. things to say. Those are legitimate feelings to feel, but we abstain from saying really unkind yes. things to each other. Yes, Michelle, that's exactly what I actually do as well. I say, you don't say that. What you can say, you can be mad, you can be frustrated, and you can stay right there. I am frustrated. Yeah. I am upset. That made me feel really bad. You can totally say those things because it is important to get those feelings out. Yeah. So I like I like that reminder. Yes, that's exactly what we do. We plug in how we are actually are feeling. Let's go right back to the source of what's going on and stay there. Yeah. Let's not make it spiral and you know we bring everybody really, else into it. <laughs> we should really get my stepdad Dennis to come in and talk to us about conflict resolution. He does that as a profession. He had some great tips for my preteen about conflict resolution. Um, Lovely, Dennis. Let's have Dennis. Him on. Dennis, I hope you're listening because we want to have you on. And he um, needs to sing a little song <sighs> as well. He's very talented. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, let's just real quickly hit on tantrums because I feel like that's in kind of the same vein that we're talking about. Tantrums are very normal. They are your child's brainstorm happening because they don't have verbal communication skills. And when we can say or in our minds think things like i am so angry at this person i am extremely frustrated by the situation nothing is going my way we can say all of those with words whether out loud or to ourselves they have none of those things none of those words so it results in tantrums and screaming and a lot of frustration so first of all knowing that they are normal and every single child in the entire world has thrown a tantrum at least once in their life I bet my life on it. I think that that's helpful to know that that is, that that's always happening. Um, But also that like, I think that particularly we've developed like a big stigma against them in our culture because we want people to be quiet (laughs) a lot and to never embarrass us in public. I know. Well, exactly. I was like, I think we, a lot of us. Yeah, a lot of us tag that behavior to us and how yeah. it makes us look as the parent, which yeah. is silly, Yeah, even though we all do it sometimes. Right. And so if you ever witness a tantrum child, tantruming child, just remember that's a normal part of childhood. And if you are the parent, like remind yourself in that moment, this is a normal part of brain development and childhood. This is not about me. And keeping, again, like my responsibility is to keep my cool in that situation even though my child is screaming, I've definitely put a kid in the cart 
And then they started screaming at the grocery store. And we took the child out of the car tent, put them in the car seat, and went home, them screaming the whole way. And no, we did not get any groceries. And no, we did not have any food left at the house. And we had to start again in a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's just, uh, yes, every embarrassing thing that has ever could ever happen has happened. My child got nursemaid's elbow when we were at a national park because he was trying to run away. And my Mm -hmm. husband grabbed him back and his elbow got dislocated. So then he was screaming. And then he was screaming from the pain of it. Right. Uh, and then people wondered publicly. if you were kidnapping. And, yeah. And while I looked up YouTube videos for how to put it back into place. So, um, yeah, you know, everything embarrassing has ever has happened. Tantrums, they're a part of life. And when you stay calm, you invite your child into that calm. And it will not happen right away. But you are helping them to slowly build the skills to work through those feelings. That's right. I don't know what it is about being in public with a tantruming child that makes me feel even more composed. It doesn't make sense. But I always make an effort to put my chin in the air and smile as I cart the screaming child to safety in the car. Um, (laughs) I think it's just because everybody's staring. I just, I try to act even more composed. Like, hmm, I've got this under control. They're screaming. I'm fine. Um, it's normal. <laughs> Comes with experience, though, I'm sure. But I agree. It's it's very much just normal. And I think if we can just remember that and not make it get, you know, blow it up mm-hmm. into meaning other things that it just simply doesn't mean, yeah. we can um, just love them through it. There's boundaries, but also there's grace that needs to be extended through tantrums and of course understanding and learning the triggers that might be there for a child like also the are they hungry are they bored are they tired you know and maybe let's not go shopping yeah yeah maybe let's not go shopping under certain circumstances let's set us all all up for success by being a little bit more intentional yeah and you know i know that a lot of times tantrums come from a lack of language skills but there's a sweet spot where your child has the language skills and is still tantruming too, but they can start to communicate a little bit with you about what those Mm -hmm. tantrums are about. And one time my son was just freaking out and, um, I, yeah, we were both getting pretty heated. (laughs) We're both getting pretty upset. We're at home and I wanted to leave him in his room to chill, which sometimes is a good situation for him. Um, to just, and then I come back once, once things have calmed down, I don't just leave him there forever, but like, so that I can remain calm too. Yeah. I might walk away from that situation, but he sat there on his bed sobbing and sobbing and said, I need you to help me calm down. And it reminded me, yes, like he doesn't have the skills yet to calm down. He's very frustrated. He is upset and he doesn't, and he's feeling these big feelings. He doesn't like them either. He doesn't, he, but he doesn't know how to make it stop. And so, um, I've developed a lot of like breathing techniques with my kids, anything to take a deep breath. Let's try a rainbow breathing, like any kind of like any kind of way that I can help their bodies feel calm because their brains are very wired at that time. Sometimes it involves words. Sometimes it doesn't involve words. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really, you know, holding them close and, you know, maybe rubbing their arm, um, modeling deep breaths for them. Sometimes I will just hold a tantruming child and breathe deeply in their ear 
and their breath will start to match mine. Anything I can do to, again, be the responsible parent who is sharing my calm with them and helping them learn how to get out of these situations where their brains are on fire and yeah, their bodies are acting like it too. Yes. I love that. That reminds me, my daughter, Eleanor, when she was she was very verbal, very young and could communicate the way she was feeling. I'm sad as like a two year old. I'm crying. You know, like she just from early on was very, very much able to talk through how she feels. And so um, again, two years old, I need a hug. She's in the middle of the tantrum. She feels herself spinning out of control. I need a hug. Mm-hmm. And it taught me that sometimes they just need a hug. So still to this day when she's really struggling and um in that spot she she asks for a hug and so my other daughter has has learned from her in that way and sometimes when i'm lucky she'll come around and say i need a hug but other times i can remember that she needs a hug Mm -hmm. even when she doesn't ask for it and extend that that um love to her in the middle of the moment and a lot of times it does calm and um creates some safety and some comfort you know because it's it's not a fun place to be in i know what it feels like to tantrum and i'm an adult yeah and i can't imagine how it feels as a as a child really really unable to use any tools that you know haven't learned yet and yes i would say that we're mostly past tantruming but i have some older kids who guess what they still feel frustrated and angry and mad sometimes and maybe they know not to scream about it but when i see those feelings of just anger (laughs) cross their faces i offer a hug and i say you know and that's that is also Mm -hmm. a reminder to me of sharing my calm maybe hey maybe i'm not gonna bring up all of the things that i all of the things i need to lecture them about and right right maybe so that's true. not the moment maybe that's the moment for both how of about us how about for sure it's not the moment <laughs> yes it's for sure not the moment that's a good reminder for me to bite my tongue maybe literally clench my jaw whatever i have to yeah. do to be like we're not going to make the situation worse i'm going to i'm literally just going to be like hey do you need a hug and the feelings get a lot better about that. That doesn't mean that I never talk about the things that we need to talk about, but we're definitely going to choose a different moment. And <laughs> yeah. and my kid is not always going to be a- able to ask for the things that they need, even when they mm-hmm. are able to communicate verbally. Mm-hmm. I might just have to be like, hey, do you need a hug? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's just sit yeah. here calmly and breathe together. And it's nice to have lecture. those things kind of like on the tip of your tongue when you do get to that place where you're like, how in the world can I help this kid mm-hmm. right now? So yeah. like, you know, they they get themselves into some really tricky situations sometimes. It's like, I told you not to do that. You did it. Now you're so upset and sad and I still have to love you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to have some of those, those um, phrases on our, the tips of our tongues. Yeah. Can I give you a hug? How can we work together through this? You know, like come up with your own. But I, for me, it's, do you need a hug? Yeah. Most of the time. Well, and it kind of goes back to that. Sometimes that challenged child, the child you really want to run away from yourself or really don't want to give that extra time to is the child who needs it the most. And they may not be able to tell you with their words, I really need your attention and your love and a hug right now. But if you Mm -hmm. can be, if you can notice that and be like, I'm going to give you 
a hug, I have noticed that it melts away a lot of bad feelings and a lot of frustration when you just take the time to look them in the eyes, breathe deeply, give them a hug. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's do like rapid fire for these last ones. Okay. We're going to try and go as fast as we can through these last ones because we've really talked a lot about like the principles already there. Yeah. Yeah. That apply Um, to most situations. (laughs) Yes. Tattletailing got brought up. I definitely have a tattletailer. If you listened to the podcast where we interviewed our children, you might be able to tell who it is. (laughs) Um, And with that, definitely do not reward the tattletailer by getting involved in every little situation because that plays into them being the victim, manipulating the situation, and getting mom, the big guns, involved in their arguments. So at a separate moment, I will talk to my child and be like, hey, you can tell me when something is wrong, when someone is in is being physically harmed or is in grave danger, right? Like I, I need you to be my eyes on the street and tell me if the toddler has wandered into the road. But if your toddler sibling has simply knocked down the Legos you were playing with, that's a problem. That's a situation you can resolve on your own. And we're going to, we talked before about how we teach them how to resolve conflict and we walk them through those things. But if I step in every time somebody tattletales to me and go and punish the child they want punished, that rewards tattletaling and gives them like power in that situation. So I try to avoid stepping in to that situation as much as impo- as is possible and instead redirecting them to solve their own problems. You don't like that somebody took your thing? Okay, go talk to them and come up with a compromise. We've talked about how to do that in the past. Why don't you go try? Those kinds of things to not um, encourage tattletaling. And it can be really hard because there can be situations where you want to inter- interfere with the situation that's being tattletailed about, but as much as possible, don't reward tattletaling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. My advice would be the same to not add drama. I try to stay really stone faced when my tattleteller comes and tells me, mm-hmm. thank you for telling me, please go work it out. Yep. I like the idea of establishing the boundaries where it is appropriate to come and tell because I, I see where my child is coming from. Mm-hmm. She has a very black and white, very, very obedient child. And uh, it bothers her when people don't follow rules. So it's good to have a conversation maybe ahead of time and establish those boundaries. But for the most part, yeah, it's about little tiny things that I really don't need to be involved with. So I try to be very um, nonchalant. I keep sweeping. Go ahead and work it out, sweetheart. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Because I really don't want my child to learn to be a victim or to try to manipulate people to her power just because or into, yeah, to manipulate people to her advantage instead of learning to work through her own problems. And yeah, we've worked on how to resolve conflict in a hundred other ways. So now is your chance to practice. (laughs) Right. All right. Yes. Okay, so the next question is a really, really good one written by a really, really great person who's yours truly. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, I my question was, how do we find inspiration when we're in a rut? And my question was, what kind of a rut? Like a personal rut or a parenting rut? Or... And my answer is, they are so intertwined that I think that we could speak to both. So what are your thoughts? Okay. You can do each individually or if you feel like there's principles that apply to both. 
whatever. Well, first tell me how they're the same. Why don't you go first? Okay. Tell me. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes in my parenting journey, I just feel like I'm in a rut. Like I, I'm kind of on a merry-go-round in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with the same issues. I'm trying the same things. And they're not working. And there are certain times where I'm up for that. Like I'm up to like rise above and try something new. And But sometimes you just don't even have the mental capacity or energy to do that. And so um, I was in one of these ruts or on one of these merry-go-rounds, if you will, just a few weeks ago. And it's a really difficult place to be. Maybe you have one child that's just so challenging that they're sucking the life out of you. And then you have a million more to still take care of. <laughs> and then maybe your husband brings home a puppy. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, so I I obviously have my own theory I could bring to this answer. And I think I will after you respond. But what do you do when, I don't know, maybe you don't ever feel this way. Maybe you're the the exception. No, no. I I feel this way sometimes. But I think that I guess when I was like thinking of the question, I was thinking of them as kind of separate, but, um, I guess they are. Yeah. Well, but I, mean, I do think that one plays in, they both maybe personal inspiration, feeling inspired as far as maybe self care or being creative. I think that that can breathe life into parenting, but maybe let's do stay with parenting here. If okay. that is that too confusing. Well, let's just, okay. So one of the things that I have here is just keep a list of things you are interested to try. They can be, and like, okay, this could be personal things that you want to try or parenting ideas that you want to try. If you're listening to podcasts, if you're reading books, whatever you're doing, keep a list, you know, write them down somewhere, a little notebook at the side of your bed and try something new. I think that, right, that's like the definition of a rut. Nothing new is happening. If you feel like you keep struggling with the same issue over and over again with a child specifically, this is when I would definitely call up a mom friend and be like, hey, we are just keep doing this. Do you have any other ideas? Do you have any other suggestions? Have you gone through this? I even really like to talk to my friends, both those who have kids and ki- and people who don't have kids, but who know my kids, because they often have an interesting and different perspective because they are, have not parented my child, but they love right. them and know them. Uh, great time to talk to your mom or your grandma and just say, hey, have you ever dealt with this? And just get something new to try if the things that are not working are not working. And and sometimes creating a new habit is really daunting or really scary or trying to come up with new language to use in an age-old situation can be really overwhelming. So that's where I say like, anytime you can make notes in books that you like or come back to books that you want to reference, um, write again, write down things for inspiration so that you can remind yourself of ideas when you feel a complete lack of creativity or a complete lack of, um, impetus to keep going. This is also like, I love getting some time away from my kids in some way. I realize that that's different for every single person. Some families are able to do regular date nights. Some people really aren't able to do that. But if that's your situation, you know, can you stay up late one night and just talk to your spouse and say, hey, this is really a struggle for me. 
Let's tag team this. Let's work on this together. What ideas do you have? What ideas can I bring? Like what new habit could we create? Just talking about it and not keeping it like we were not in any way meant to parent in a vacuum. So how can you open it up and get some advice or perspective from literally anyone else? (laughs) That's my advice, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I definitely agree with the space point. Mm -hmm. And I also do think as I'm applying this to my most recent rut, it does take, I do have like my, my typical sources. Maybe I've been reading, I've been reading a book and maybe it's not really inspiring me in a way that is helpful at this moment. So maybe I need to kind of reach beyond kind of my go-tos sometimes when I'm feeling, you know, extra frustrated and, um, exert effort to connect with with people like you're saying beyond that first tier sometimes just to get even more of a perspective so i do i do agree with that for sure also i do think it's sometimes we just have to tell ourselves just keep um abiding by correct principles keep doing those things that i know are right and that this little phase will pass i have been in many a rut during my parenting years and some ruts are longer I am in them longer than others, but um, for me, they've always passed. But I've, I've definitely had to implement some. I've had to work through them. You know, mm-hmm. like it does take effort. And um, if if one particular effort is not working, then we we reach somewhere else. Yeah. But um, I do think it's important to keep trying different avenues to find something yeah. that sparks. I just love. Don't you love the feeling of inspiration? Just like boom. Yeah. Okay, I'm alive. That's working. I'm going to implement this. It's there. Just got to keep trying a different avenues till we find it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, deep dive, take a deep dive into, yeah, maybe you need to read a book specifically about that or find a podcast. Often, like you can just Google or just do a search on your podcast with a keyword and you're going to come up with a bunch of different ideas. Maybe some of them are going to resonate with you. Maybe some of them aren't, but just kind of anything to get unstuck, I think is a good way to just keep, you know, track something new. And then also, what can you do to set something that you are looking forward to? Whether Mm -hmm. that is, whether that's a break, or whether that's a special activity, or, you know, maybe a half marathon. I should sign up for a half marathon. Maybe that's what I'm lacking. (laughs) Yes, surely. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yes. If running is your thing and that would help you feel uh, inspired and like not in a rut, then absolutely sign up for a half marathon. Like whatever it is that you want, you know, give yourself like you're not just a parent. Mm -hmm. You are a million other things. Give yourself something to look forward to. And, you know, we all have times in life when something that we're doing is hard. And usually we balance that with something else in our lives being really enjoyable what can you set up in your life that's enjoyable? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, Cause we have and, the ability. Yeah. And you're right. Like I can attest too that we've been through ruts or we've been in situations where we've been like, you know, very worried about a certain issue that we are facing. And yet guess what? We've made it through all of those so far. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we c- can have faith and hope in the future and know that like, just things are going to be okay. 
we, they have been so far, so they're going to keep being okay. Right. They're going to be some version of okay. Maybe not the yeah. exact version of okay that we envision because we are not fortune tellers. We cannot see the future, but they're going to be some way of okay. And if we can like trust too that our kids trust them enough to realize like we're on this journey together and I trust that like I am meant to be their parent. They are meant to be my child. We're going to keep working on this. We are going to build these skills slowly over time. And some of these things I know are like so frustrating when your kids are little. And my perspective, just having like those middle kids is that like, we have more time than we think with them. And I don't mean like we have time to waste or anything like that, but like so much of this stuff feels so urgent Mm -hmm. and our job as parents is urgent. Like we are responsible every day, but yet we still have the time for these things to get figured out. And it's not over. Yeah. It's over. (laughs) It's never over. I mean, you're never done parenting, I guess, but no, but no, I think that's sound advice. I also think that that's a beautiful ending spot, honestly. Okay. Very hopeful. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. We're all in this together. (laughs) If you take nothing else from this, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) It really is. It really is. Gosh, yeah. There are so many, like for each of these things, I can either remember my own personal stories of like, oh my gosh, that was such a big deal. And now Mm -hmm. it's not so much of a big deal. Or of sibling fighting issues that, you know, I've, you know, parents have told me, oh my gosh, these kids fought, fought like cats and dogs. And now they're best friends. And Or, you know, at least they can stand to be in the same room as each other. Whatever it is, you know, it's all a learning process and it's all going to get there slowly. And that's okay. That's right. So keep on keeping on, everybody. We've got this. We're all in this together. Yep. Okay. We will be back next week with a new topic. But this one one has been fun. Very, very timely for me. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.